Hello and welcome to episode 42 of the Coin Press Podcast. I'm Luke Willis. Today I'm joined by Martin Hiesbeck from Uphold. Welcome, Martin. Thank you very much. Yeah, glad to have you today. So um, today was episode number 42. <laughs> it's the, the meaning to life, the universe, and that's, everything. That's very fortuitous. <laughs> I, I will then offer the answer to everything. Awesome. That's perfect. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, so so you work for Uphold, and um, before that. Uh, you were doing uh, consulting in uh, the banking space, um, and I think it's very interesting your your involvement with crypto. Uh, but I'd like to, you know, if you could give us an overview of kind of what is Uphold, um, how did you get to this point, and then what does your role look like as head of research there? <laughs> All right, Uphold started as a, a normal wallet provider. There are many of them, uh, but quickly turned into something entirely different. Our founder, Andrew, saw very early on that transparency uh, was a very important thing in, in the crypto space. So something that many people get wrong about blockchain is that it removes the need for a middleman, but you still have to trust the people who provide you the blockchain services. Mm. Whereas blockchain is the step in the right direction, as we have seen in 22, there is plenty of opportunity for abuse. Right. And um, <clears throat> Apple started out as, as a wallet, became a much more sophisticated platform. It has actually uh, two very unique features you won't find anywhere else. Um, you don't just have one account at Apple, you can have sub-accounts and under the sub-accounts, different sub-accounts, which makes us an ideal platform for asset managers with different accounts and mm. also in the gaming industry we have lots of games run on uphold because um, it's very easy to just add another account uh, when you add another player uh -huh. and um, there's lots of advantages there and then we started working with uh, more serious projects so at one point we we uh, discussed a, a slogan like serious crypto for serious people but never got adopted but that's more or less what it is. So the entire management team of Uphold is very much from the traditional finance side. And okay. in 2018, they bought a brokerage, a broker dealer called JNK, for which I was working at the time. And that's how I ended up at Uphold. Okay. And that broker dealer has uh, still has around 200 something big institutional clients. Uh, lots of pension funds and private funds and family offices and, and all kinds of uh, people who manage money for other people mm -hmm. who's just about getting interested in crypto, right? Um, so the the last few years, we, we basically introduced the world to what blockchain and crypto can do. And now they're answering, we're answering questions. So how do we get started in this? So most of my my work is focused on where the the real life utility of a project is where the real economy use case for a project is if it doesn't have one then it's basically not on my radar mm. um, because institutions are not very interested in that gotcha uh, there, there there may be some that buy that buy dubious projects but it's in in my list of clients we're talking about very serious uh, projects and their interconnectedness with the existing economy. Whereas, for example, the link between a crypto asset and an equity that I might hold, 
So if I'm in the automotive space, I hold these and these mobility or automotive equity. So if I were now to get into crypto, what would I buy on, on the digital asset side? These are the questions I spent most of my time answering. Interesting. So um, so head of research, you're, you're basically doing research on behalf of the institutional clients that are uh, invested through, through Uphold. Um, so, so help me understand the, uh, the money that you have under management through Uphold, is that all in crypto or is it split between a variety of asset classes? So we don't hold any uh, assets under management, our clients do. Okay. And they very often have limits. Um, these are internal limits. Some have a limit of like 5% for what they still call alter alternative investments. Uh, in the banking world, it's like 2 or 3%. But we also have clients who, who already have bigger crypto-only funds. The challenge with um, much of real economy crypto is that there's not enough liquidity very often. Right? There are mm. just not enough tokens. If you look at projects like Quant, if, if all institutional players would wake up to, to the enormity of what they're doing, there's yeah. just not enough quant in the world to buy that. And the right. same is for cybersecurity projects that happy. Uh, and, and, and some other, they're, they're just very, very good projects in a very good industry solving some real life problems, but they are not buyable at this point because they're too small or because we, we do not have the right regulations in place yet. Mm. Interesting. Regulation uh, is, of course, the biggest challenge in this space right now. Yeah, yeah. Um, and obviously, there's been a lot of movement on that from uh, Gary Gensler and um, just talks about what counts as a security and, and what doesn't. Um, I know you uh, you said that your previous company was called JNK Securities, and I, I think Uphold is uh, it's Uphold Securities. So Correct. What's your uh, what are your thoughts on the uh, the whole <laughs> securities regulation and crypto and and uh, yeah I'll leave that open. <laughs> <laughs> I'm 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 used to talking about it without stepping on anybody's toes, but it's it's a complete nightmare, of course, because uh, globally we have ignored blockchain long enough for it to become a problem, right? If the regulators and the banks would have embraced would have seen this coming earlier and they could have easily um then we would have already proper regulation in place and things like ftx wouldn't have happened mm. it, it is in a way the, the fault of the regulators for, for sleeping on things and taking so long to make up their mind and there is now a big difference between the united states and the rest of the world of course whereas in asia and singapore hong kong Japan, even in Australia, and certainly everywhere in Europe, in the European Union, we classify different forms of digital assets. Um, we talk about the bond on a blockchain, we talk about the, the digital currencies, we talk about uh, loan instruments, all kinds of traditional financial instruments. How would they look in a digital world? That's the approach to regulation, whereas in the States, we are somehow inexplicably still caught trying to explain something in terms of 1933 right yeah uh, and then that's slightly insane um but america has always worked like that you know every single big moment in american financial history after the second world war 
was basically a definition of something in terms of the Securities Act and the Exchange Act of 34. Um, the only way out of this is a complete rethink and a rewrite. And, um, and that is coming, that has to come because um, some of the principles that the Securities Act introduced are still valid. Yeah. Um, but whether or not something is a security should not decide the fate of a project, right? So to give yeah. it the proper name, give it the proper terminology and be done with it. Um, yeah. Everyone knows that there is a need for this technology and whether, whether you know, there might well be an insistence of separating the equity aspect of a project from the network functionality of a token. That's something that gets confused in in blockchain unlike anywhere else it's a crypto asset is a curious chimera um, because on the one hand it is supposed to represent the value of the company uh, which it doesn't because we have no information about the company we have no cash flow right on the right. other hand it has some intrinsic function on a blockchain so all we are doing when we list something all we do is try to find out should we stress the function more then the, the equity says, but of course we have to because we are trying to get past the regulators. <laughs> and that sort of, it distorts a lot of things, right? Some tokens right. are extremely popular and they are, you know, anyone even without a legal education could tell you that's a security, right? And the fact right. that we have to deal with this in the States is slightly annoying and we can't go on like this. And we, we, we cannot go on because the pressure will be coming from the big financial institutions. It's coming from central banks. Sure. It's coming from banks. Digital platforms and blockchain make things so much more efficient, makes monetary policy for efficient, makes the movement of government monies from one department to the other uh, more efficient, makes our entire cash-based society more efficient. So they, they will want it, right? But um, we shouldn't leave the definition of of this future technology that is already impacting us we shouldn't leave that decision to one regulator who somehow is not making progress <laughs> yeah yeah um <laughs> refuses to <laughs> <laughs> i agree that the hazy regulation in the united states and in a lot of other countries has made it so that uh, a lot of the crypto legitimate companies run to the Bahamas or or Dubai or you know any exactly. number of other countries rather than just being built in the country of uh, the resident right so I, I agree that we need to have regulations that um, em embrace crypto and encourage things to be done correctly and that that will create additional burden and effort for uh, founders in the crypto space but um, Ultimately, that's important for serious projects. So it, it is. It, it's it's an enormous burden. If you think about projects that have absolutely no bad associations whatsoever throughout their existence, like Cardano, for example, uh, the only reason why people in in first world countries are not already working with Cardano is this association with the word crypto, right? Um, I think a lot more and more companies are coming out and defining themselves without using the word crypto at all, right? So they are 
as a, we at Apple we're going away from the original wordings that we used to have. Um, but it's a it, terminology is, a, is crypto's biggest problem. Yeah, all the terminology we have is wrong, right? So a DAO is neither decentralized. It's not. A, it's not autonomous. It's not an organization. <laughs> Cryptocurrencies are not currencies. The fact right. that they use cryptography is largely irrelevant. Um, so <laughs> all, all and then uh, the latest bills in the states just copied parts of the the European MICA text, but then exchanged digital assets, turned that into virtual commodities, uh, just to to please some regulators. It's also not the way to go forward. <laughs> right. Right. It's, Keep slapping another label on it. Yeah, yeah. But there will be changes. I think twenty three will be an exciting year in that too, because um, it is it is the war that changed the fate of of crypto. Right. Yeah. It was last year when when the Ukraine war started, and suddenly governments realized that you could send millions of dollars under the radar of everyone to right. a foreign country to buy weapons. Right. That right. was the point when somebody, when everybody just said, "Oh my God, this blockchain thing is serious. You can arm a whole country with it. Who else could you arm with it?" Right. And then suddenly, law enforcement and the regulators were on top of their game. And by the end of twenty-two, we now have, by and large, a framework for what it could look like. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's an age-old pattern. War always brings out <laughs> the truth about whatever it is, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, it's a, it's an interesting uh, run that crypto's had uh, up to this point. I'm, I'm very curious to see how regulation shakes out in the U.S. because that's where I am, but then also uh, around the globe. I think it's going to be an interesting year as well. Um, it seems like a lot of things are coming to a head. But... Definitely, yes. Might not um, be this year, right? But it will be. A, we will see a lot of changes this year. Yes. Yeah, a lot of discussions going to happen this year, even if there's um, you know m more to do. <laughs> Things take time. Um, okay, regulation so, has grown up in the way also that you know before the war, the only interest in crypto from the government side was taxation, mm, whereas yeah. now it is law enforcement, right? Who is doing what illegal thing with it? Nobody's right. really that. Are curious about your crypto taxes from 22 you know, but can't be much earnings yeah. anyway <laughs> yeah yeah and all that just makes it harder for uh for individuals because the responsibility uh <laughs> you know it increases the burden for individuals which can harm decentralization and force people to use centralized services that handle things for them so um i'm particularly fond of uh, blockchains and applications and services that respect decentralization, which it sounds like uh, Uphold is a um, a non-custodial, or I, I forget the, the term here, but you, you, you basically let the, the institutions hold their own wallets, correct? That is correct. We are yeah. also preparing a, a new offering uh, so I, I'm mostly focused on the institutional side here. I have very little to do with our retail product, but I think there's a big update coming that is sort of a, a thing in between DeFi and, and centralized DeFi. We've always thought that decentralization, there's a problem with decentralization, right? But Because ultimately, whatever you are decentralizing has to be somewhere. 
Right. And wherever it is, there has to be a person who owns that or controls that thing. Mm-hmm. That's 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 the the idea of decentralization is all very good, but um, it's nothing is really decentralized still. We're still looking for the holy grail of decentralization. And Bitcoin mm-hmm. is certainly not it, right? You're not, right. Even in, even in the Bitcoin network, you're not incentivizing everyone the right way, and ultimately you get you end up with too much power in the hands of miners. So. Right. Yeah, I mean, every, and this is the the problem with um, really uh, giving the power to token holders or to hash power on Bitcoin. Um, the uh, you've created an economy where all the voting power goes to a buyable asset. So right. you know you have the Pareto principle in effect here, where. 20% of the people will have 80% of the supply at some point. Yeah. So you're basically centralizing power to the elite. Um, yeah. So it, it's not truly decentralized in terms of one person, one vote, but at the same time, it's more decentralized than having a, you know, a dictatorship of a single actor. Yeah. So I don't think, I don't think we have quite found the right technology yet, but we'll get there. Yeah. Agreed. So let's talk more about um, uphold. And so the the way you're set up, you're, you're helping these institutional clients manage their crypto investments and you deal with questions. So I'm really curious what kinds of questions you get on a daily basis and um, where is the smart money going and and what, you know, either what specific projects or what types of projects are they looking for? What are the criteria that matter? Um, yeah, open-ended, but I'll throw that to you. No, there's, there's, there's two basic things um, with institutions is that they have a very long-term view of things, mm-hmm. amazingly long-term. One of my first conversations ever with a very, very big fund manager was uh, give me 10 tokens I can buy now and hold for seven years. And then you can guarantee that they will be around in seven years and worth something. So it's the, the long-term horizon of, of our institution class has always surprised me mm. um, when, I, when I started doing this consultation. Um, and of course, they want to make money and they, they are very experienced in, in the financial world. So they see when an asset is in distress. So if crypto goes down the way it did in 22 because of all these scandals, what an experienced trader sees is not the same as a retail investor who has lost 80% of his crypto worth to see, right? What the institutional trader sees is a chance to buy an asset at a discount. Right. Now, the, the biggest question that I have to answer for many of them, what is a discount? You know? Yeah. Um, I just give you a random example because it doesn't affect any current consultation. Um, is is Avalanche, which has some very very good applications in the financial world. Uh, it's just getting started. Has some very very interesting technical features that I like. Um, so I have repeatedly mentioned um, Avalanche in a in institutional round robin newsletter that I send out every Sunday. So our institution clients, I mentioned it, so I got the question, 
um, it's now trading below 20. That was a while ago. It's now 10, right? So yeah. is, it, is that a discount? Um, so ultimately, you have to answer the question of what is it really worth? And right. here you have, here in crypto, you have the biggest problem. Right? This is why we have such nonsense on crypto Twitter, where people value that, uh, I don't know, communities, everything. You know? And uh, people hide and community and family, and we, we need, we don't need any of that. Financial assets don't care whether you're part of a family, an army, or a community. That's something to make yourself feel happier. Um, so everybody has to be part of the team, so and so. Um, institutional investors look at numbers. Mm. They come and ask, so what is Avalanche really worth? At what price should I get in big time? And with normal equities, you have a product, you have cash flow, you have a predictable cash flow, you have macroeconomic factors. All that goes into lots and lots of data goes into the work of an analyst. And an analyst that the analyst call will give you a price target. And such a price target is uh, underpinned by the overall economy, the specific industry, the health of the company, and most of all, it's cash flow. Right? If, mm -hmm. if I earn a billion dollars every week, then I should be worth $50 billion for the next year, minus my expenses, right? Sure. And you don't have that in crypto. You cannot get that information from any company in crypto. Mm. There is no product that has a price tag. There is no cash flow that is transparent. Nobody knows what amount of funds are slashing around on, on uh, blockchain addresses, right? Yeah. Even the whole discussion right now about these proof of reserves, that complete bollocks. I mean, showing somebody a snapshot in time of a specific wallet isn't proof of anything. So we don't know anything about the financial situation of most of these projects. So what should one AVEX be worth, right? Yeah. Um, and that is the biggest question we have to answer. And for that, we have a methodology. My team and I have developed a methodology that looks at what a chain does, what it could replace, um, hmm. what kind of value could be added by using it to an existing economic system. For example, in the I don't know, trade finance or in the supply chain management industry. Right. And that means crunching a lot of numbers. You know, how does an existing supply chain work? Where are the biggest cost elements? Now, if you replace that with a supply chain solution based on blockchain, how much money would you save? How much more would you earn? All these kinds of calculations. Right. And that gives you a comparative, um, it's not an exact number that represents the value of that blockchain, but it gives you a comparative value um, that tells you whether a, a project is more or less at fair value or criminally undervalued. Sure. So that's what we have to work with in the absence of, of, of any other uh, public information about these companies. Now, the biggest threat here is something that the crypto community always overlooks is blockchain is not rocket science. Uh, it, it is not uh, the biggest thing since sliced toast. 
um, it's a bloody database. It's not that <laughs> difficult. I'm very sorry to all the all the fans of blockchain who just completed their first Coursera course course and now think they are blockchain experts, but it's not that hard, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so the biggest threat to many crypto projects is gonna come from incumbent players. Mm. You know, uh, it's one wonderful idea to say, my favorite supply chain project is talking to Amazon uh, warehouses about this and that. Yeah, that's very nice, but you really think Amazon is not in a position to make their own blockchain? Sure. <laughs> and the same goes for hundreds and others. So if I'm a if I'm the world's largest bank, why should I work with Cosmos? I just hire a bunch of people and do my own blockchain. Right. And that's what's happening right now. You see lots and lots of existing companies investing not in crypto but in blockchain technology. So that what we call a, a a crypto project is now something that is built on blockchain. Sure. That will change in the next few years. So our terminology here must change, right? Yeah. Exactly like it did with the internet in, in the 1990s, the internet boom, you had thousands of websites selling you the same product. They're all ended up on Amazon, right? So that space is changing uh, and yeah. will change dramatically in the next few years. It's, I think, the most exciting industry to be in. Yeah, no, I, I agree. So I think it's interesting that you um, you highlight the fact that, I mean, blockchain is, is just a database, which is true. Um, and yes, institutional players can create their own blockchain. Um, but the, the argument against this that I often hear is that, you know, it's the same as with CBDCs and um, anything else where, a centralized player would be creating their own blockchain is that they're not incentivized to actually have it be a decentralized network. Um, and now we did establish up top that uh, token based decentralization is not, you know, one person, one vote. And so how much does that really matter? Uh, the, the people on the side of, of blockchain and in favor of decentralization through token-based mechanisms, I think would say, and I tend to agree, that uh, it's still better. And to have distinct players that uh, control the network collectively compared to an institutional player being the sole actor, Amazon owning the warehouse data, uh, you know, blockchain for supply chain um that does not have the trustless base that say the same application built on ethereum or avalanche or, or coinos or whatever so i'm curious what you have to say to that um <laughs> I'll, I'll leave it there I, i've got more to say but i'll, I'll leave it there yeah, the, the, the big mistake that we often make and which i have made numerous times in my in my long career in, in blockchain is blockchain offers us something that not necessarily everybody wants right mm. uh, we talk about transparency who really wants transparency um we talk about I mean, transparency on a blockchain for a company would mean giving away all, all your trade secrets sure right 
Um, we talk about cutting out the middleman. In many industries, in many industries, the middleman serves a very specific function that is necessary for the ecosystem to thrive. Sure. Um, so you got transparency, you got privacy. We completely ignored in the whole CBDC discussion until last year. We completely ignored the privacy aspect. From my, I've been I've been a consultant for CBDCs for years, and and um, my first ever meeting with with a bank, the I, I remember the, uh, the vice president of something asking me after the presentation of what is how a CBDC works. Yeah, uh, he, uh, he simply looked at me and said, "Now why would we want that?" Right. Hmm. Uh, so not the solution to not every problem is blockchain. Sure. Um, and issues like privacy and transparency are not always intended. Right. Um, in some industries, we absolutely need them. For some projects, we absolutely want that, and it makes a company more efficient. But absolute transparency is not always in the interest of a company. And as we are moving now towards adoption by enterprises, you're going to see the whole face of crypto being distorted, taken right. away from you know, the mad crypto bros with all their anarchic ideas of how to change the world. And that will survive. No, there will be a niche for that. It shall go on, and that's where innovation will come from. But that will not be the mainstay of the economy. No? Sure. Um, many projects come with good ideals that won't ever lead anywhere because there's no business case behind it, unfortunately, for many of them. Yeah, interesting. Um, so circling back on your um your thesis for how to evaluate the value of a blockchain network i think it's very interesting that you you look at um applications that could be served by that blockchain when a lot of chains now since the the rise of ethereum are general purpose and they can be used for just about anything so and like you said, it's not hard to spin up your own private blockchain or uh, whatever it is you need there. So it's in terms of maintain sometimes maintenance yeah. of your own blockchain may be a problem. But yes, it's not hard to spin one up. Yeah, true. That's a fair point, too. Um, so I, I think it's. It's curious to me that you look at the application because it seems to me that if you're just looking at, say, supply chain um, or some specific finance role or whatever it is, yes, blockchain generally could replace a function that's needed in the broader economy that's currently not served by blockchain. Um, but why does some why does that value flow to Avalanche versus, say, Ethereum or Solana or Coinos or, or whatever. Well, that's that's the deeper technical understanding. That um, to give you a few examples. For example, uh, Algorand is still the only blockchain with absolute immediate finality. Mm. That has always interested me, but I never understood what what that would be good for. Sure. I've known Silvio for, for a long time, and he's always argued that it's the most important thing. I never saw the point until 
gaming came along. So in, in blockchain gaming, finality is absolutely essential. Sure. I, I never realized that until this year. Um, you're absolutely right that many, many blockchains are generic. Mm -hmm. And if they have bad business development too, and have absolutely no other advantage over others than the speed, the transaction throughput, or their low gas fees, then they will disappear. So I see a lot of L1s and L2s, you know, going the way of the dodo. Sure. Lots of blockchains were built on the idea that Ethereum was incomplete or insufficient or somehow flawed, so we need to make it better. You don't build a business case around somebody else's flaws. Right? <laughs> yeah. So I, I would say many of these projects won't go anywhere, especially since uh, what Vitalik has laid out in his vision is moving Ethereum towards a much, much leaner, much faster, much more efficient and privacy-focused product. Mm. Yeah, I think that's interesting. Um, I For agree. Some, you're absolutely right. There's no way you could prefer one over the other. Yeah. Uh, but then it has to do sometimes with engineering talent. Uh, you True. have in every chain, you have a pool of programmers, you have, you have a pool of people who are very familiar with something, and they very often come from a specific field. Mm. Um, and uh, we just seen a year in which every blockchain tried to copy every element that everybody else has. And people actually thought that offering NFTs of some shitty comic drawing on their chain <laughs> was somehow innovation. Right. Right? That, that was 22. I hope we can leave that idea behind in the next year. <laughs> <laughs> but just copying somebody else's idea does not make you an innovative blockchain. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I I do think NFTs will, in their current iteration of images, will continue to be popular with a certain group of people. Um, I think that 2022, we saw a lot of projects for NFTs be seriously overvalued. Um, but yeah, th there will be a market for it for a while at least. And, and there, I think there will always be a, um, a subsect of people in crypto and in the blockchain space who are, are looking for those sorts of things. Um, I hope that we will see some real NFT art. There are a number of projects and artists out there who do some amazing you know, modern digital art with movement, yeah. and check. That, I would love to see more of those, not some silly apes. <laughs> yeah. Or otherwise intoxicated. Absolutely. Um, and, and that comes down to, you know, supporting artists and uh valuing the product of a person or, or potentially an ai or um or any number of other things there that there's a there's a different value proposition for art for art's sake and right. the the investing in art and its appreciation and trading art has always been thing well before blockchain um but the a market for profile pictures is new and not particularly innovative in itself there's another field of regulation that has to change right what is art yeah what is an artwork right we, we are so far behind in, in these laws too and why should a piece of art care if it's a security or not we have unfortunately dragged 
And when, when I got started in blockchain, it was all about food tracing and insurance policies and legal documents. And then Bitcoin came along and Ethereum and the ICO craze of, of 2017-18 happened. And mm -hmm. suddenly it was all about money. Yeah. And now we are stuck with money regulation. We shouldn't be in the money regulation field, right? This is a right. technology. It shouldn't be regulated by financial regulators. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that's another challenge that comes from this um, token-based decentralization, right? So I don't know what a, you know, what alternatives will arise in the coming years. Um, but again, I, I do believe that token-based decentralization and, and blockchains in their current form are valuable and are pushing um, that, uh, it's pushing progress and, and, and innovation in a new way that we haven't seen before. So I assume <laughs> that that's why institutions are coming and looking at crypto and not just because there's money to be made. And I, I hope that there's more, you know, a deeper discussions that you're having and not just where do we put our money in? And that that kind of thing. The question is safety, right? Yeah. Um, and, and legality of things. That the biggest problem of decentralization is is the same problem that we have with any revolution of any governance system uh, that we've ever had. Uh, I'm talking about political revolutions in the history of mankind, right? Right. You, right. You install a new set of rulers. Can you trust them? Right. You're now moving towards decentralized organizations and decentralized voting systems and governance systems. The problem is, can you trust them? How mm -hmm. do you tell if somebody's a bad actor or not? That is the big issue. So cybersecurity, as 2022 has clearly shown, is our biggest problem. Right. Um, on from every side, from the fact that in many cases. Um, the people with the project had no idea that it mm. could be abused or be hacked in that way. In other instances, they simply didn't pay attention to cybersecurity at all. Sure. Uh, I mean, allegedly FTX didn't have a single person in charge of cybersec. Well, that's, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's quite mind-boggling, right? Yeah. <laughs> you know? And, and, that that is the big thing. Crypto will retain its bad reputation and bad name if people get rugged and, and assets yeah. get stolen basically on a daily basis. This this has to stop. And the way blockchain was built and the way it was intended, it cannot be stopped. Right? Right. But the same argument that you want to outlaw private wallets, which you can't, or private transactions or on, uh, only allow transactions under X amount of dollars. None of that is technically feasible. You would have to shut down the internet to enforce most of the rules that regulators are envisaging now. Right. Um, it's impossible to regulate that. Now, by the same token, it is impossible to ensure in a decentralized system that there are no bad actors. Yeah. All you can do is have the, the best system, and we are still looking for that. Yeah, best form of vetting, but ultimately any kind of vetting, any kind of adherence to a standard moves us away from the from the centralization argument. If you look at Ethereum after the merge, now it's like 87% OFAC compliant. 
it's still a decentralized network, but because 89% of 87% of validators are OFAC compliant, people are attacking Ethereum, saying Ethereum is no longer decentralized because it's basically OFAC compliant. That the arguments have fluent boundaries. Um, but I'm, I'm very sure that we will not have a quick solution to the decentralization problem. Yeah. Hmm. It's a, it's a, it's mathematically complicated. It, uh, and it's even more complicated to install system this in an economy that is based on, on right. rent and, and privacy. Yeah. Very interesting. Um, yeah. So I'm, we're, we're getting close to time here, but I did want to talk about, um, a couple more things. One, you mentioned, uh, games using uphold for uh it sounded like account management uh which i assume has something to do with like custodial accounts for their players um don't ask that... me the details but it's it's like the game sure. studio has a master account every game of the studio has an account every ah. game sub accounts with the players i i don't know how exactly it works but we have tons of these very interesting yeah, um, that's a that's an interesting use case that I haven't heard before. Where I mean, it, it makes sense because game studios have multiple projects to manage. They each need their own wallets. Obviously, they need to manage um, all the different contracts and the you know the players and all that stuff. Um, so yeah, that's that's a very interesting point I hadn't thought of before, but. Um, in addition, you mentioned um, the uh, the instant finality, which I think is a, a good point for games. Uh, whether or not you have finality, there are ways around that with blockchain. But you know, having instant finality on Algorand that that does seem like a, a useful thing for certain applications. So it's a good point. Um, and then last thing I wanted to to touch on here, moving away from gaming, uh, I found your work and, and started following you uh, when you started posting about Coinos, which uh, was, you know, you made some really good points and I thought it was interesting how you were uh, talking about getting coin on, on Uphold, um, at which obviously there's no news to that regard, but I, I'm curious uh, what, where did you first hear about Coinos, and uh, what interested you in the project? Uh, oh God, That's a long time ago, um, I, I met Andrew online. Uh, honestly, no idea. I do not know because some of the projects <laughs> that I I find I find through random discussions with my tech team. Sure. And they're all very enthusiastic blockchain engineers, and then we have long conversations about sweet nothings. And in the middle of it, somebody said, "Have you heard of this and this? Look into this and this." And I had a conversation with Andrew last year. So we had we did a webinar with Coinos, and I thought okay. it was an interesting project. And we were all waiting for the mainnet launch, which has now occurred. Mm -hmm. So we're going to do another webinar with them. Uh, I think very soon in in the coming few weeks of cool. January. I think. Okay. Great. As, as for listing every, everything I like, uh, I want to be listed, but I can't talk about the actual process. It's, of course, yeah. 
it is in whatever stage it is in right now. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Very good. Well, cool. Well, um, looking forward to that webinar then. Um, for people listening who don't want to miss that and want to follow you and and you know see what else you have to say, uh, where can they find you in your writing? I'm I'm on Twitter, so it's my it's M Heesberg. My last name is H I E S P O E C K, and there's a small M before that on Twitter or Apple INC is our Twitter handle. I'm also on LinkedIn, and not so much on Telegram these days. I don't know, been I've gone off Telegram, but Twitter and LinkedIn mostly you find me there. Until we have a wonderful new nice decentralized system, right? I'm waiting for crypto Twitter. <laughs> A That's real, great. a real blockchain Twitter to appear. There we go. There are quite a few contenders out there, but nobody's really been growing fast enough. Mm, yeah. Well, very good. Well, Martin, really appreciate your time today. I'll put links down to uh, the social uh, that you mentioned, and then uh, yeah, this was great. So, really appreciate your perspective and uh, everything you shared about Uphold and what you're working on. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah. All right. Thanks, All right. everybody. Join me next week for the CoinPress podcast. Bye for now.